Today on the Rochester Rundown, we take a look at the path forward for small businesses across five different industries as the state of Minnesota opens, slowly but intentionally. For those allowed to open up for the first time on Wednesday, they say it was absolutely necessary to get back on the right track. We're not anywhere financially near where we need to be right now. But the road ahead is still anything but clear. It is hard to find a silver lining when you're losing you're losing a whole quarter's worth of sales. The balancing act, local entrepreneurs will have to perform through 2020 and beyond, coming up in a bit. Plus, the changes in Rochester police policy enacted this week, and what the CEO of Mayo Clinic is saying about the startling trends of non-COVID patients delaying care out of fear of contracting the disease. I'm Isaac James. It's Friday, June 12th, 2020, and let's get to the news. For most people, this past Wednesday was just another day. But for Brent Froy, general manager of the Rochester Athletic Club, it was like Christmas in June. It was a strange feeling. Um, a lot of people said that. I mean, this club's been around for over 25 years, but yesterday felt like it was brand new. <clears throat> so it was it was very, a very cool moment. It was thanks to the latest turning of the dial from Governor Tim Walls, which allowed gyms, bowling alleys, movie theaters, and other large gathering places to cautiously open their doors once more. While those businesses will be limited to 25% capacity in their initial opening phase, Freud says the simple fact that the rack can be open is a blessing, to be able to at least fight their way through the pandemic and help a bleeding bottom line. We're not anywhere financially near where we need to be right now. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the same for all businesses throughout this. We're, everybody's struggling, everybody's trying to find a way to just get through this. Gyms and athletic clubs are simply one of those places where shared contact of certain things is unavoidable. People use the same basketballs, the same treadmills, and the same weights. It's a large communal space opening up for the first time in months. More broadly, it's a calculated bet on staff and management to sanitize it all and do the job right. But this dilemma, of course, isn't just limited to Rochester's gyms. It's the same idea for Bolosity Entertainment Center, which the Glorvigan family has run since 2014. General Manager Aaron Glorvigan says the financial side of things has, of course, been tough, pushing back plans to open a second location. Early returns on the new opening have been good, though, with league bowlers and young families alike showing up on day one. The blunt truth still remains, however. One good day at 25% capacity doesn't make up for nearly 90 days with little to no business. It is, it is hard to find a silver lining when you're losing you're losing a whole quarter's worth of sales. Right. Because um, that's never coming back. You know, there's some different loans programs out there and stuff like that. But, you know, just, just being optimistic for the future. You know, hearing all of the customers. We had a lot of people call to buy gift cards when we were closed and you know, hey, we want to support you, how can we do it, kind of thing. These family entertainment centers and bowling alleys, nearly 200 of them across Minnesota, have faced an extremely tough few months, with murky waters still ahead. Every family's tipping point will be different, where they deem it safe to head out with their kids for indoor, high-touch activities like this again. Glorvigan says it's a constant battle to keep everything under the roof sanitized. And when you're talking about bowling alleys, a laser tag arena, a full-service kitchen, and an arcade, there's a myriad of surfaces to keep track of. 
He says the staff has gone through multiple training sessions and practice runs to make sure they're up to the task. You know, hey, whenever you're ready to come out, we're ready for you to come in too. While these large-scale, largely elective operations got the chance to open for the first time Wednesday, the governor's most recent move also allowed places like barbershops and tattoo parlors to expand their service. Not to full capacity, of course, but half capacity. Those places got their grand reopening on the first of the month. So Wednesday's changes serve as a reinforcement that business will get better, and it's allowed some of these places to meet demand. And just imagine for a second. You spent hours at a tattoo parlor starting what promises to be an absolute work of art on your arm. You've got an appointment to get it all finished up, and then it's canceled, and you can't get it finished for three months. That exact situation has happened to a handful of clients at Amber McCann's Autonomy Tattoo, she says some of the artists on staff have been coming in on their days off to clear this backlog of appointments that's been growing for almost three months. It's, it's, that's a lot. It is super long days for these guys, but um, luckily for us, they love what they do. And that's how they all were, even in the time off. They spent a lot of time painting and drawing. Um, we moved a bunch of stuff around in the shop, and the guys just, they love, all of them, they just love to tattoo. That same backlog has been in place for Shauna Severson's men's salon. She says the salon has been at or very near capacity since they were able to reopen on June 1st, with phones ringing off the hook for the past two weeks. It's actually allowed Severson to flip the script through this pandemic and grow instead of contract. You know, thankfully, we actually, you know, as soon as we offered the bonus, the team member and the sign-on bonus, we were able to get two new employees to start with us right away. So that worked out perfect. Salons and barbershops, by design, are another one of these close contact businesses where business as usual just isn't possible right now. For everyone in the hairstyling business, Severson says it's time to figure out a new way forward and fast before people start avoiding the salon or barber entirely and figuring out how to cut their own hair. And so us as a salon, we have to make sure that we are visually, like clients are, like we do a lot of this cleaning and stuff behind the scenes, but you have to do it in front of people and you have to schedule more time on top of your services to allow for the deep cleaning sanitation between people. The pandemic has forced these businesses, just like every business and person you can think of, to reimagine the very way they do things. It served as a reset button whether people wanted one or not. Minnesota's restaurants were forced to rethink things fast when the governor authorized outdoor-only dining on June 1st. Now, with restaurants able to reopen inside just a couple weeks after being told they could only operate outside, it may feel like the first shreds of normal are returning to this industry. But Justin Scoville, executive chef at Porch and Hot Chip Burger Bar, used the months off to reconsider how his businesses operate. At Hot Chip, the old normal isn't coming back when they open their doors again on Tuesday. Instead, it is the new normal of fast, casual counter service. A change, Scoville says, was a long time coming. Guests and customers out there, people are just, they have busier lives. They, you know, this commitment to dining is, has been changing. And, and, you know, you can get a quality delivered product to your house. Um, and, and, and still get that feel of the, the, the dining, the, the, the dining quality, uh, delivered to you. It's been said time and time again, that normal is gone and the new normal is what we're looking for. You don't need me to tell you that. But in talking with all these businesses, these five people in five vastly different industries, that sentiment really did ring true. They all believe that society has changed permanently, that their business has changed permanently and that practices must change as a result. 
It's the simple belief that the customer is always right. And in this world, right now, the customer wants to stay away from COVID-19 at all costs. For Froy and the Rochester Athletic Club, just like everyone else, it's sink or swim. You either respond properly in the eyes of customers, or you don't. Your business survives, or it doesn't. Welcome to we're, the new normal. We're in a changed society. And until, there, until there's a vaccine, which could be quite a while, um, we're going to be doing things different, I think, as a whole. Yeah. And if we don't, we're not going to have customers coming back. It's pretty much that simple. Now we'll look at the top stories from the week that was. More information on all these stories is available at medcitybeat.com. Rochester's Police Policy Oversight Commission will have new recommendations on overhauling the use of force policy for Rochester's Police Department within a month as the commission accepted a timeline set by Mayor Kim Norton on Tuesday. The charge from the mayor came as part of complying with former President Obama's pledge calling on American mayors to scrutinize and update said use of force policies. Mayor Norton signed on to this pledge last week. Also coming out of the commission's meeting, Rochester Chief of Police Jim Franklin said he would immediately classify the use of carotid control as deadly force. The move refers to a type of neck restraint designed to cut off blood circulation to the brain and render the subject unconscious. Franklin says the restraint has not been used by an RPD officer in at least several years. If you've been downtown over the past week, chances are you've seen these in action. Rochester's Public Works Department has set up temporary barriers downtown, blocking off parking spaces and lanes of traffic in the name of outdoor dining. Northbound lanes and parking spaces on the 200 block of 1st Avenue are closed for that purpose, with concrete barriers also up on historic 3rd Street. Public Works officials say alleys next to Blue Duck Kitchen and the Galleria will be converted into outdoor eating spaces, and more spaces will be set up in other downtown parking and drop-off lanes in the coming days. Finally, Mayo Clinic CEO Dr. Gianrico Ferrugia was in the New York Times on Tuesday, penning an op-ed with Cleveland Clinic CEO Dr. Tom Mahalovich about the unseen danger of deferring care for serious ailments out of fear of contracting COVID-19 at a hospital. The op-ed notes a Mayo Clinic study saying visits to the emergency department are down by 40%, even as the average patient in those departments is more sick. In the case of cancer alone, they estimate there could be a quarter of a million additional preventable deaths annually if normal care does not resume. And that is where we'll leave the show for this week. If you enjoyed today's show, the best way to support MedCityBeat is to become a member. Be a part of quality local journalism at medcitybeat.com slash membership. I'm Isaac James for MedCityBeat. Thank you for tuning in. Be sure to tune in to Thesis Beer Project's live stream concert Friday night at 7.30. You may hear a familiar voice when Green Top gets on stage. Have a great weekend, everyone. I'll talk to you next Friday.